The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows... You're fired! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strong. Welcome in and thanks for joining us today. Sports Talkers Podcast, Stephen Strom here. Great to have you in. You know, I'm always upfront and honest, and I'm the first to admit I wasn't a huge WWE wrestling guy growing up, but I still know a few names. And notice I said a few names, not wrestlers. This is just how much her name influenced the WWE. Now, some may know her as Renee Young when she worked at the WWE as a commentator, but her real name is Renee Paquette. She's from Canada. She was an aspiring actress that basically had this unexpected transition into broadcasting where she took on an opportunity with the WWE as a backstage interviewer, and that took her to becoming the first woman to ever broadcast an episode of Raw. Renee has a different journey and now hosts a podcast called The Sessions for the Volume with Colin Coward. Yeah, it's a lot. She explains it much, much better. So without further ado, rate, subscribe, and review. I think that rhymed, by the way, Sports Talkers Podcast. And let's get to Renee Paquette. All right, so you are from Canada. Mm-hmm. How did this girl from Canada uh, get into broadcasting? Or what was kind of the path that you maneuvered to broadcasting? So I almost feel like kind of by accident in the sense that like, I always wanted to be an actress. I had big stars in my eyes that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, But then just got kind of frustrated with the auditioning process and not feeling like there was like, it was like commercials and music videos and not really like the stuff that I really wanted to do. So as I was getting bored, I'm like going on like these like casting websites and see this casting for like a VJ. Um, And I was like, oh, I think I could maybe do that. Mm -hmm. That's something that I could see uh, me digging. So I went in and I auditioned for that in like, I know it sounds so like cheesy, but honestly, I've like kind of worked since then. Like that's really when my career started. I was like hosting and producing my own show. Um, And then that led me into my sports broadcasting career because in Canada, there was really, there was much music and there was a couple different sports networks that were the, really the only places to get national coverage. Um, so I ended up at a sports network because they did comedic style interviews with their athletes. And I was like, oh, that's something that I could do. I like that. So then I started working there after like God, like quite literally knocking on their door all the time, dropping off my demo reel, sending in emails, hounding people like, oh my gosh, that's what you got to do sometimes. I don't know if people still have to do that, but I definitely had to do it in the day. Um, And then, yeah, I ended up getting the job there. And that's what led me into WWE. They had the rights for WWE in Canada. They asked me to host a post show for Monday Night Raw and kind of the rest is history. Then I got picked up by WWE and got to do a million different amazing things. So did you like sports growing up? I did. So I played a ton of sports. What did you play? Um, So I played ringette, which is kind of like hockey. It's played on ice. Very Canadian. What is it called? Ringette. Ringette. R-I-N-G-E-T-T-E. Kind of like my last name a little bit. Um, So it's played (laughs) on ice. Um, The rules are different than hockey. It's kind of a little bit more similar to like a soccer meets basketball rules wise to hockey um so I played that a ton I did play soccer I did gymnastics I I played a bit of hockey like I did kind of everything so getting into that sports world 
definitely made sense that I at least, you know, I had a concept of the sports, how they were played, what the athletes can be like. Um, and then just kind of combined that with the background that I had already acquired with acting classes and voice classes and all of those things and just kind of combined them. And there I went. <laughs> what did you take from acting? I guess that you talk into, I know you just kind of mentioned it from, um, acting to the broadcast world like you talked about a little bit of the improv maybe a little bit yeah I actually honestly for what I do and I know what I do especially in the WWE world is different than like traditional broadcasting because they are handed scripts so we're reading lines and we're reacting to things like a lot of times it is acting Mm. there's times you're hosting a show if you're hosting a panel or something of course that's not that um but I think a big skill that I got from that was listening was listening and not trying to be five steps ahead of now I'm going to say this and my next question's this and this is where I plan on things going I think it's just being able to keep your eyes and your ears open to react to things as naturally as possible and then also just listening to the people whether you're at a panel whether you're doing a straight up interview of just like where you want to go with things rather than like I already wrote down these bullet points and these are the things that I plan on getting to um I think that's the big thing from like acting classes and improv classes that like certainly helped me through my career so when you first get to the WWE you start doing wrestling uh, is it more of they're telling you be yourself or did they kind of want you to tailor the way that they wanted you to kind of present yourself as? It was kind of a little bit of both because, you know, I came in there and I had, in the world of WWE, because they're so globally renowned, the little thing that I was doing in Canada to them was like, we don't care that you've been on TV for a while. You're Renee Young now. You're not Renee Paquette. This is what we're doing. Um, But as much as I did get to bring Renee Paquette into that Renee Young role, there were certain things that like that Vince McMahon wanted more of like that more polished broadcaster. He wanted me to be very smart and very like polished and together, which my broadcasting style is not that I'm all over the place. I swear a bunch. I'm like ask different questions. So I think it was kind of getting into that role of like, even just to like, how I was dressing sometimes, how I wore my hair. Like it was that full presentation mm. of how they wanted fans to see me and view me. And and I think it also kind of went hand in hand with, you know, I think earning the respect of WWE fans. I think they didn't want them to think that I was, you know, some run of the mill random girl off right. the street. They wanted to like hold me in a certain regard. Uh, how would you grade your overall experience at WWE and why? I thought it was great. I mean, my big thing... I mean, if we're talking like a percentage wise, I mean, I give it like an an A. Um, I feel like my time there of everything that I got to do from doing backstage interviews, hosting um, my own shows with the network, hosting kickoff panels, being able to be the first woman on commentary to do Monday Night Raw, to call WrestleMania. Like when I started this career, I never in a million years would have thought that that's where I was going to end up and that I was going to be able to have the impact there that Mm. I was able to have, like, I never would have imagined that. So yes, like any job, there's ups and there's downs and there's things that like would drive me a little bonkers sometimes. But that aside, the the skills and tools that I acquired from being in that job for so long, I truly feel like I could do anything. Like, I feel like I've just, I've built up that confidence. I've been in all of these scenarios from doing live TV to going out on TV without a script, without a show written. We don't Mm. know what we're doing, but we're live, pal. We're out there doing it. But like, Mm. you know, I I think it definitely put me in a position to feel like I can be that sort of like Swiss army knife player, uh, like really with whatever I was doing. So you mentioned you doing the, you were the first woman to ever call an entire episode of raw. 
what a moment that must have been. Where do you see women's wrestling now compared to where it was 20 years ago? Oh my God, it's crazy. When I think of the time from even when I started to WWE to when I left being in that eight year window, mm-hmm. it changed massively right in front of my very eyes from just the the respect that women were earning out in the ring. And, you know, you look at the wrestling from 20 years ago and it's not that they weren't good wrestlers or that they didn't want it. It was just a different time. And it was a different time for like what fans were expecting from female wrestlers. Um, and now it's like, no, now we see these like kick ass athletes that are main eventing shows. They're these amazing characters with like beautiful storytelling. Uh, it, they've just been given more time. And when you think of that, that women's evolution, really coming to a head and the women kind of sticking up for themselves being like, sure. fine, you want this match in three minutes, we're going to give it to you in 30 because that's all the time that you're giving us. And that's what really led to the women's evolution and women really taking it into their own hands saying, no, we deserve more time. We deserve to have the creative. We deserve to have the good storylines because the fans do want it, but they just weren't giving it to them at the time. So now that we have it and we've got the Becky Lynch's, the Charlotte's, the Bianca Belair's um, in AEW, you've got Britt Baker, you've got Serena Deeb, you've got Tony Storm, like, all of these women that are just so good and they're just, they're creating this new path for other women, for little girls that are watching at home to be like, Oh my God, that's what I want to do. Mm. I think it's just creating this whole new wave of, of more women that we're going to see step into the ring. So you mentioned how this was scripted, but you also needed to come off as professional and polished. I'm very curious about your backstage interviews because how how much was that? I guess were you handed questions? Were you were you able to create your own questions? And what were you focusing on in in you know a quick time with these wrestlers that are maybe coming off an intense match or whatever it may be? Kind of walk us through that process. So it's an interesting thing because there's so many little like minutia things that I think add to making a backstage interview really great. And a lot of it is reacting. Think you and you don't treat every wrestler the same. Yeah. If it's a heel or a baby face, I'm going to treat a baby face different than I'm going to treat a heel when he walks onto the set. I say their name different. I welcome them on differently. I might take a step back. If it's a heel, I might lean into them a little bit more. If it's a baby face, I can smile throughout the interview. So it's little things like that, that I would kind of think of as I was um, yeah, just kind of thinking about how the interview was going to go and depending on who the talent was, whether they're great in these promo segments, maybe they're not. And I kind of wanted to make them feel as comfortable as possible so that they can do their job and know mm. that like, Fred, we're in good hands. We've got this under control. There's so many little things that you think of, even just in terms of like where I would stand. You always stand just like a little bit behind the talent so that there are these bigger imposing characters. I'm not in the forefront of the camera. I'm a little bit behind them to give them that space. Mm. Um, so yeah, thinking of, of all sorts of things like that, but no, I generally speaking, you are handed a script every now and then it would be bullet points. If this is kind of what, what we want to get to, do your thing. But that also came over time. That was not a right off the bat. I think it's earning that trust from the writers, from Vince, from Kevin Dunn, all those higher ups in, in WWE to like earn their trust that they knew that I knew what I was doing and I could be a little bit more malleable in those situations. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, it's it's a script. I feel like the podcast space, and we'll get into your pod now, I feel like that's where you've kind of been you had an awesome career at WWE, but this is kind of your calling, right? You like to kind of let it loose. You like to let it rip. Uh, is this kind of the space that uh, that you maybe now thinking if this was a little bit before I would be here? Yeah, possibly. I mean, the thing is, too, it's like 
I, I mean, I never, I don't really think in like, oh, I wish I did this here or there or whatever. Cause like, again, I wouldn't have the fan base that I have if it was not right. for the career that I had in WWE. Right. I wouldn't have those relationships with the guests that I have on the show. So I think it all kind of goes hand in hand, but yeah, I will say getting into that podcast podcast space and having an hour, an hour and a half, however long we're going to have with somebody. I love that long form content. Like my hardest thing when I did commentary was they're like talking sound bites. I'm like, I don't think I know how to do that. Like yep. I'm a conversationalist. <laughs> I want to be able to react to things. I want to be able to just have fun or get serious. If the topic um, requires you to be a little bit more serious, but yeah, it's like, I just find people fascinating and I like people. I like being able to talk to people. I love hearing people's stories. I love thinking about my own story when I got into, into this world. Like, I think those are the things that kind of make us all tick is having a passion for something and, and having, uh, the, the kind of wherewithal to like really follow through on these like kind of hoop dreams that people make come yeah. true. I find those stories really, really cool. So to be in this podcast space and really get to like get into that nitty gritty and have time. I'm not on a time constraint. I don't have to worry about commercial breaks. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's it's really, really nice. So Renee's podcast, The Sessions, uh, she is with The Volume, which is Colin Coward's network, who is, I mean, read like two of his books. He's one of my favorite uh, sports radio hosts. What did you know about Colin Coward before he had uh, came up to you and maybe had a conversation about this? So Colin and I sort of go way back because before I went to WWE, I had auditioned to take over Sports Nation when Michelle Beadle was on the way out. So this was like, yeah, wow. right. Like literally weeks apart or not weeks, days apart of my sports nation ESPN audition to, Oh, by the way, WWE wants to bring you in for an audition. Great. Um, so that was really my first, um, my first meeting of Colin Cowherd and being like, Oh my gosh. And at like 23 at the time, or wait, I was not 23. Let's calm down on that. 20, <laughs> 27, 27, 28. Um, but still I felt like a kid. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like going in. Colin Cowherd is like such this like, I guess like I guess imposing could be the word, but he's just like this larger than life character. He's been in this world for so long. He's one of like the cornerstones of broadcasting. Like he's Colin Coward. So yeah, I was definitely a little bit intimidated being like, can I hang with him? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, to now years later, being able to be like, oh my gosh, now we finally get to work together and I get to learn from him. Um, he's a great person, obviously, to have in my corner if I've got questions about things career-wise, podcast-wise, broadcast-wise. The guy is just... Um, you know, such a well of knowledge. He's been there and done. I mean, you do a three hour show, you Insane. do that radio style show, all the, like, oh my God. What no call ins. That is, people don't understand how yes. hard that is. Five <laughs> days a week for three hours. You have to be a little cuckoo to be able to totally. do that. 100%. He's the first to kind of admit that. Definitely takes a certain kind of person to be in that space and be successful in that space. Um, but yeah, I, I the fact that he's got his own podcast network and just like constantly acquiring like really great talent. He's a very talent first kind of boss, um, which I of course love. So, I mean, it's, it's just been such a great, um, great opportunity to be able to work with him in this space. So what was it about, I guess, the volume that made you, um, kind of sign with them and, and put your trust in your podcast with them? Yeah. I mean, when you have the stamp of Colin Cowherd on something in the broadcast, in the sports broadcast space, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, and it was this upstart company. They hadn't even, I don't even think they had announced that they were starting the, the network when he had messaged me. I was only maybe five episodes into my podcast when he had reached out to me. So it was a really quick relationship. I was brand new in the podcast space. He listened to a few episodes. He, uh, 
he hit me up in my DMs and Twitter just saying that he listened to it. He thought it was mm. really great. And then the conversation kind of started from there. Um, so yeah, it, it really was a no brainer. I mean, just seeing Colin putting this together. And, and I, I know so many people that, that work closely to him that I know are so smart in that space too. So I definitely wanted to be able to rub elbows with those kind of people. Okay. Let's do two broadcast advice questions for people that are trying to get into the business, try to get a foot in the door. You know, you didn't have a traditional, you know, went to Syracuse or went to a big time school, which I like, I like having a uh, different broadcaster that don't have high that, school education, that route. Pal. high school education. There you go. <laughs> Um, what do you think you had, I guess, from not even a broadcast standpoint, from a personality standpoint that you were able to make these connections, kind of wiggle your way in? What can you say to younger broadcasters that, hey, here's something that I use that you can use to network and to do different things? I don't know how helpful this is, but I think authenticity is number one. But that's a hard nut to kind of crack sometimes. Yes. Um, it's not easy just to just be yourself. Like that's the most confusing line anyone can ever say to you, especially when you're starting out and you're like, I don't even think I really know who I am yet. I'm not sure what kind of broadcaster I am. Um, but you know, I think for me, it was like, I had, I had and continue to have like such an eagerness to work, to learn, to try things as well. Like I was never like, I'm not doing that. I'm not covering that. That's not the thing that I want to do because experience is experience. And one thing leads to another. That's how you do the networking. That's how you get to meet people is being on different jobs, getting your reps in. Um, so I think anytime opportunities come up to be on camera, to be on a microphone, you take it. That's sort of like, the, that's what I've always loved is like putting myself in situations sometimes. Granted, it sometimes puts me in like a panic and like a sweat where I'm like, can <laughs> I do this? What am I talking yeah. about? What's happening? This is not my wheelhouse. Um, but I like to kind of keep myself on my toes and just be like, can I pull this off? <laughs> Can I do this? It's almost like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. That's yes. an important trait. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it is just having that authenticity. I think people can kind of sniff out if, um, you know, insincerity or having an attitude like that definitely doesn't get anyone far very quickly. I think it's like, yeah, just being a person and being nice and listening and being engaged. Mm. Uh, last one, because you're like the queen of great interviewing. Uh, what is the number one thing you should focus on when you're trying to get the best content from someone on a podcast or in some form of interview? God, it's so funny because sometimes I get like such imposter syndrome because I'm like, I don't really know. I just kind of like hang out and get to like shoot the shit with people. But I think that's kind of what it is, is like getting people comfortable right off the bat. Like I never have my guests feel like, and this is not my style of broadcasting anyways, or like, I would never call myself a journalist because I'm certainly not. Um, but that like gotcha moment, like nobody ever feels like I'm leading them down a path where I'm like trying to make them talk about something. It's like reading the room. Like, does this person want to talk about this or not? Which can be detrimental. Sometimes you don't get people to talk about that interesting, juicy thing, but I, it's all about relationships to me. I never want someone to feel like I'm trying to get mm. them to talk about something they don't want to talk about so that I can get the views and I get the likes. I think it's just having that comfortability level with people so that they want to open up to you. They want, you want to be the space that people want to come to, to open up in. Um, and that's something through my podcast that like, I had no idea that I was going to have some of the interviews that I had where I was like, wow, I can't believe you trusted me to be in this space with you and have this conversation with you. And yeah, I just think it's a level of comfort that you'll, that you're able to provide to somebody to, to not feel like, it's just some interview and you don't really care about what the content is. Huge thanks to Renee Paquette for joining us today at Renee Paquette on Twitter. 1.2 million followers. That might be the 
biggest following from a social media standpoint that we've had on this show. Really different spot, right? We, we want to obviously hit the pro four of football, basketball, hockey, and baseball, but sometimes it's good to get a little versatility here and this is a broadcasting podcast, right? It doesn't matter what sport you do. We give everyone the same respect. Everyone has a similar way of breaking in, and we like to examine, learn, and grow from these broadcasters that have made a living uh, off of doing this. So big thanks to Renee. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will talk to you next Thursday here. Got a nice lineup set up for you. Basketball starting up. That's a little hint at you. And we'll talk to you next Thursday here on the Sports Talkers podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.